Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan to Rockefeller Center at Newsstand Studios. Nastasia Lopez is currently being sent via airplane to the great state of Ohio, so we will not have her uh, on the uh, on the program today. But thankfully, we got the rest of the crew. We got John here. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Sitting in the special guest seat for a All Tangent Tuesday. Can we call them All Tangent Tuesdays now, or should I they really be a No Tangent Tuesday? Whatever you want. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is our, and we got, you know, of course, we got Joe rocking the panels over here. Joe Hazen, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Yeah? Happy holiday. Yeah, you getting ready for bird day? Yeah, a couple birds. Ooh. All right, hold on. Well, we'll get back. Yeah. We got uh, we got Molecules in, back in California, but he might mute, folks, because he's feeling a little bit under the weather, but not with the cron. He doesn't have the, the he doesn't got the COVID. Right? Not the cron, no. No, not no. Right and I'm in D.C., actually, Dave. I'm, I'm, in, I'm at the oh, Line Hotel DC. in D.C. I forgot that, yeah, last week yes. you were flying to D.C. So are you, uh, you are you doing radio work there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. I am indeed. Well, that sucks to not be, I hate being sick not at home. Yeah, yeah. Me too. You know, I'm not one of these guys that likes hotel rooms too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't hate hotel rooms, but if I'm going to be sick, I just want to be at home. Like my stove, my coffee I'll, maker. I'll tell the, the world's quickest. I'll tell the world's quickest story. Right. Uh, so I'm sick. And I'm like, I should probably have some ramen or something. I get Uber Eats. I order ramen. I fail to realize that they deliver it cold and it's supposed to be microwaved. Uh, <laughs> and there's no microwave in my room. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if this has damaged the uh, Nespresso maker, but I clean up <laughs> in the Nespresso maker, pour the soup oh, in I the container that. and just spit it out there. Yeah. Can I tell you something crazy? Work. Whenever I travel to a place that I don't know, what, what what I'm getting into, I bring with me a plug-in immersion heater. Like, a, one of those Smart. small coffee, like the ones that look like a... They, it, it's like a little plastic handle with, a like, a little, like, looped he- heating coil coming out of it. They're really lightweight. Sometimes you get a little bit of a side-eye from the security folk. You know what I mean? Because they don't know what it is. And you're like, mm-hmm. eh. And, but then, like, you can heat anything. You just got to be careful. Because they're notoriously poorly made and they will shock you. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. they notoriously oh. leak electricity and they will shock you. But you can also get them for 220 So you can have, you, they're so cheap, right? You can have a 221 And frankly, you can use the 221 in the United States. It just has one quarter of the power. Remember, you divide the voltage by two, power divides by four, right? Right? I squared R, fools. I squared R, if that means anything to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the same thing happens when you plug a Spinzol into a freaking socket that is 220. You're putting four times the power through it, and you instantly fry it. Instantly fry it. John, how many people? Well, I'll introduce Quinn that we also have on the phone. Quinn, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 not even part of this whole week of nonsense because uh, you already had your Canadian Thanksgiving like a month ago. It's like this is old hat to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What do you make on your? And I know you said that it's always the same kind of stuff that we have for our Thanksgiving, but like, what do you make this year? Well, actually, this year we went totally left field because I was starting to get sick at the time. Uh, we just made a UK style fish pie. Huh. Uh, let me ask you this. We got it. We got yeah. cold or hot. Cold or hot. Huh. Okay. It's like, it's like a shepherd's pie. Okay. Okay. But with fish. Okay. You know what? One of the worst things I've ever put in my mouth is cold eel pie. What? Cold yeah, eel that's pie. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. I went to the East End of London to one of the few remaining eel shops, and I was like, I'm gonna love this because I love eel. Do you like? Unseasoned, undersalted, cold snot. Love it. Yeah. Then you should I mean, go to the East End of London and get you some. Co- if my memory serves me, I couldn't eat it, which is a lot, saying a lot for me. I couldn't eat it. I was like, this is so not what I thought. This is so away from the spectrum of what I thought <laughs> that I was like, I can't even deal with it. And I, I want to say that there was bones in it too, right? Which is like for me, like. If I'm eating something delicious and culturally it has to have bones in it, I'm like, this is fine. You know what I mean? I'm not that guy. I can't eat it. 
You know what I mean? I won't eat it. But this was just one unpleasant thing after the next. You know what else? Pastry low quality. So I asked my host. I was like, yo, why would anyone make this? He's like, well, originally we had a lot of eel. And, you know, not a lot of money, but a lot of eel. I was like, I don't know. You know what, Joe, you, you seem to me like you could, if you had an English accent, you could be in an old East End London movie. You could be an actor, if you had an English accent, you could do the whole English East End look if you wanted to. Joe. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, my wife's from London, but I mean, she's from the West London, like the fancy pants people. What's weird is like, like you know, you're like you don't do the acting thing, but you you could you could do straight New York. Okay. You could, but you could also, I think, do the London thing. Oh, you know what I mean? You know, ba- back to Quinn's uh, fish pie. I, fish pies are delicious. Is that like the fish pie what they do with the turnips, the carrots, and the shaved um, celery? Um. Again, we just did standard mirepoix dice. Bechamel sauce. Oh, uh, some oh. Okay, yeah. John, say bechamel. Yeah, because I don't like bechamel. <laughs> bechamel. What's yeah, the I, Italian version of that? Bechamel. What's it called? No idea. Bechamel. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Joe. Go ahead. No, I, 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 I my, my wife still makes it, and she insists on that I uh, uh, shave the celery for her. Through, it's the worst thing your, your fingers can can experience. Well, your 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 wife doesn't like stringy celery. You know, apparently the English have a string-free celery that we just can't buy here. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. I just did also learn that if you have a cough, you cut up an onion and put it underneath your bed. What? Yeah. That's an English thing? Yeah. That's, there's some weird people over yeah, there. Yeah, and supposedly it works. I don't know, man. You're like, what's that nah. smell? Do you know that I'm not allowed to have cut onions in my house? Such a sh- tragedy. I know. I, yeah. John's not messing around. Raw onions are delicious. Whenever my wife goes on business... It's raw onion city at my house. <laughs> I have to say, like, there are things that I really, 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 really want raw onions on. And I'll, I'll, I'll name two of them right now. Chili and hamburgers. Right? I really, really, really want my raw onion on that. Right? Yeah. And I've given that up because, you know, happy love. home. Yeah, yeah, love. Right. <laughs> but one thing I will not give up is if I have the tomato... And I have the lox or the nova, and I've got the bagel and the cream cheese. I want that onion. I want that onion. And I'm not willing to give that up. And so, like, literally, Jen's like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, you can't, you can't be anywhere near me. She's like, because you guys know this, right? When you slice onions, it stays in, in your skin, like, in, for infinity, right? And you wash it, it stays in your skin. You can smell it in your hands. But if you don't eat them raw after you slice them... It's, it's, it's not, like, too, too bad. But then if you eat a raw onion after you've sliced a crap ton of raw onion, that's it. Like, you are, you are on Stink Central. You're on Onion Stink Central, you know, rest of the day. But for me, I'm like, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. What about shallots? Uh, I love the taste, hate working with them. I haven't tried. It's good. She, she can tolerate, uh, like, uh, scallions, green onions. I don't do leeks because I hate, I hate... Does anyone make a, a sand-free leek? Doubt it. Oh, man. We have, clean Ju- it. we have a Jewish recipe that we make, the Sephardics. We make these leek pies. Oh, my God. I can still taste it in my mouth. The most amazing thing we do have during Passover. Um, it's it's just like my grandmother, my nonna, I used to make I mean, pounds and pounds and pounds of leek with, fla- uh, with, not flour, with, uh, with matzo meal and like making these little pancakes out of it. The, oh, the best. Oh, man. Now you're making me... See, but that's the thing. You got to get your grandma to clean that crap out because I don't want to cut all those leeks in half and then you can't put it in a salad spinner and like, because you know how we, you know how we washed, I don't know, Joe, how do you wash stuff? Because like I've been trained years, decades. It's like you put everything in a giant vessel, you fill it with water and then like dump out the water until there's no more sand on the bottom. But it doesn't work for leeks. No, no, that's like the beach. Yeah, it doesn't work for leeks. I have the same problem with spinach too, so. Well, yeah. You know what? Uh, I've said this before. I say it again. Uh, people, spinach really wants to be cooked. Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Spinach wants to be cooked. Kale loves being cooked. Kale l- loves being cooked. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, but when you do cook spinach, let's say that you've grown up on 
spinach and goat cheese salads or something, right? Let's say you were born in the 80s or 90s or whatever you were born. I don't know. Maybe you were born in the 2000s. And- with, with beets, too? Oh, jeebus. Yeah, but like, okay, for, <laughs> first of all, I need you guys to know something serious. I'm, I'm being real now. Spinach isn't a, a small disc that you can make the size of it with your thumb and pointer finger. Spinach is a big old leaf that's like crinkly. The stuff that you get in the bag is baby spinach, right? I don't really get the point of it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same thing. Like, I don't get the point of rocket when like French arugula is so big and leafy. Yeah, I like any form of mustardy tasting greens. I'm, so I'm I like them all, but on the baby spinach, I can tolerate it. I just don't understand why people pay a premium for it. You know what I'm saying? When there are so many better lettuces out there, right? And arugulas and whatever. Uh, but let's say you're going to go buy real spinach, God spinach, dark, dark. Dark, almost black, green, crinkly, big old leaves, lots of sand, which is what we're talking about. Lots of dirt on it. When you cook it, please, please, cook it, please, please, squeeze it out before you do your finished saute on it or whatever you're doing. Nobody wants to see that leaky, like, gross-colored juice bleeding off your plate into the rest of your food. Nobody wants to see that. You know what I made the other day? Cream spinach. Oh my like, God. like cream spinach. Oh, cream spinach is delicious. Very good. Yeah. In, in the 70s, the Stouffer's Corporation used to sell cream spinach in, in frozen in a block form. Oh, nice. I used to go to town on that. <laughs> like my mom, would, my mom would be going into the hospital. You know, she's a doctor, right? <laughs> so she'd be going into the hospital to work and I'd be home alone. And you know, I don't know what my dad was doing. And yeah, I was just fucking block after block of Stouffer's cream spinach. Yeah. Yeah. But it was delicious. The 70s. Yeah. You know what I used to put? You, you know how in the 70s? Well, you don't. You weren't. No. Yeah. yeah. But, like, wasn't so it used to be like, you know how like a, what's her name is like the cake doctor where she doctors cake mixes. That was her whole shtick on the Food Network. I forget her name. Anyway. Yeah. I, I forget. Anyway. So like in the 70s, it used to be like you'd put your twist on everything by just like grabbing something out of the spice rack and putting it in and then like that was your kind of the way people customize barbecue sauces now okay you know what i'm saying yeah it's like you know oh it's mine no actually it's heinz ketchup plus other stuff. yeah <laughs> it's like but yeah. not ranking on whoever i'm ranking on you know what i mean it's like it's whatever do what you like uh curry powder in the cream spinach that was my thing huh curry powder in the spinach. do you still do that uh no. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I grew up with it, but yeah, I now have a much better. I now have like the nice, you know, the the Madras curry, the the, the you know the the nice one, not yeah. the not the uh, McCormick that yeah. I grew up with. In that, no offense to the McCormick Corporation, you know what I mean. Anyway, so but, what do you, so what do you think of it? talking about greens? What do you think of? Uh, uh, I think it's called lamb's breath. Lamb's breath. lamb's quarters. Lamb's quarters. Good. Lamb's quarters. Good. Oh, uh, it's like really tiny, tiny green. Uh, pretty. I mean, it's this one small. shaped like this. Uh, I'm making a shape. It's, it's not very, a visual it, medium. Like you can't like an uh, arrow shaped leaf. Like these? No, no. no so that looks good though. You're good. Uh, you're talking. I, you're talking an, about the. Yeah. It's an English um a uh, 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 leaf, and it's always served. It's called lamb's breath or lamb's leaf. Lamb's leaf. Mm. Um, you like it? Really meaty. It's kind of like watercress, but like juicier. Ooh, I like a watercress. I do too. Uh, watercress. All right. So, uh, if you're listening on the Patreon, call your questions in to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. No, that does look like a meaty leaf. Yeah. Mm. Lamb's lettuce. Yeah, I think yeah. I, 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 makes sense. I mean, you know, lambs, they're young, so you'd name a young green after that, right? You would, like, otherwise yes, it would yeah. be mutton mutton lettuce. Doesn't have the same ring to it. Does not. Although, mm-hmm. very impossible to get. Okay, I've been to Keens. Did we talk about this on air? Probably, but we could talk about it again. Keens is delicious. Yeah. yeah. I had their famed mutton chop, which is really like a whole double saddle, yeah. like, comes to you. And it was really good, but I was like, this doesn't taste that old. Yeah. This doesn't taste like, this ain't gamey. I want some freaking mutton. I want mutton. You know what I'm saying? One time we got, like, almost half of, like, a three-year-old mutton. How was it? Really good. Again, I, I, of course, I, I took a big chunk and and dry aged it 
That was really funky. And I, I liked it. <laughs> I bet it was, Quinn. Taking the old mutton that already has that, like, like muttony McMutton, and then freaking, like, dry-aging that fat to add that extra funk on it. Whatever. Yeah. You know, they play that James Brown song, Too Funky in Here. Too funky. That's a great song. Um, back on money. You know what's something I've always wanted to try my whole life? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if they have it as far over because I know you did a, a you, you spent some time in, in Morocco. You went there on vacation. The fatty lamb tail. I've never had the fatty lamb tail. Ooh. I don't know how far over that goes. I don't think it makes it all the way over to Morocco. But the fatty lamb tail is something I've always wanted to try. You know what I mean? Yeah. You grow a lamb just for its like weird, crazy, fat tail. I'm like, yep. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, right, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so uh, we're gonna answer a bunch of Thanksgiving questions. However, you know, as uh, unless you're a Patreon listener, you're listening to this after Thanksgiving. So take all these things as next year's advice. Oh, but something you can use this year, P.S. is uh, Edwards Age Meats. I got a uh, a package uh, from them, and. You know, certain things are predictable. Like, I, I liked the dry-aged ribeye more than I liked the dry-aged strip. That's me, though. That's me. Are, is everyone here a ribeye people, or yeah. are, we, is there, are there any ribeye people? Any strip people here? In Hangar I mean, is my I like favorite, both. but... I, I, yeah, but, like, let's say you were only ever going to have one again. Which one would it be? Ribeye. Yeah, every ribeye, every ribeye. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I wish it was called the New York ribeye... And, like, the somewhere else strip. Like, why do we get... I mean, the strip's a good steak. It's just it's never quite as good as the ribeye. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if you have them side by side. Anyway, they were both fantastic. Uh, I had a pork belly. But here here are two... And an an aged pork chop, which was not cheesy. Craig uh, Hutchinson was on last week and was like, he thought it was going to be cheesy, but it's only lightly aged. So it was not cheesy tasting. Excellent pork. I mean, if... if, if that pork I had made a couple of days ago also had the duck fat injection, John, next year, I want us, you and me, you get the, your place and me at my, in the house. Let's figure out the best technique to, to inject fat. Because have you ever had the magic pork? No. From DiPaolo's? I have not. Know, Sam Weixel, he died. But they, they're still making it. So I was okay. nervous that when he died, because I, I walked in, I was like, oh, my God, when this guy dies, what's going to happen? He's like, well, it's literally happened. I'm not joking, people. Sal at DePaulo's, which is where I get the, the, the magic pork, he was like, oh, uh, he did die. In fact, I'm going to his wake tonight. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but whatever. He was old. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't make it good. But anyway, so it's, they say it's duck fat, but it's not just that. It's also like brined in, in spice. So like, mm. that's what, so I want to figure out a good mix with probably Arabic, xanthan, and fat that is liquid enough at a low enough temperature that we can inject it and then have it kind of stay put. You know what I'm saying? It's like modern barding. You know what I mean? It's like modern barding. For those of you that don't know what barding is, read an old book. Like, go read some 1800s books on how to cook. It used to be you took a dry piece of meat and you literally took a, a needle, like 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 a, like a needle that you would, like a huge like a needle with a with a big old eye in it and you would cut long strips of back fat and you would thread the back fat through a needle and then you'd pull the needle through the meat and then snip off the fat inside the meat so you would have like and you can see these old pictures where they look like i'm going to be gross for a second cod worms if you've ever guys have ever had to butcher a cod yeah they're intensely disgusting so it's like these so People, when you butcher live cod, don't let this turn you off a cod. But when you butcher live cod, like a lot of them, right, every once in a while, you'll get the filet and then you'll see something just be like, hello? And it'll come out of yeah. the <laughs> out of the filet and you're like, this is why we don't eat this right. <laughs> this is why we cook this fish. You know what I mean? I once saw it served as a crudo. And I was just like, oh, God. No, no, no. No, like you know, like you know, yeah, monkfish liver. No, 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 no. <laughs> nope, no. If you cook it, hey, but like, yeah, like the first yeah. time you see one of those live cod worms, you're like, oh my god, it's vile. Yeah, yeah, it's really off putting. Yeah, but then the person you're working with is like, that's normal. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> what? And you're like, yeah, 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 that's normal. 
And you're like, nah. And they're like, but it is. Yeah, it is. Anyway, so kind of like that, like, like, but, but, you know, thicker, coming through the meat, and then they chop them out, and then you roast it like that, barding. Or is that larding? That's larding. Barding? There's barding and larding. I think l- one is wrapping around and one Larding is, is wrapping around. So barding is putting yeah. through. I have a barding needle. Of course you do. Several, in fact. Come on. Naturally. Man. Come on, dudes. Uh, all right. <clears throat> how, do, how do we get on, on onto that? Oh, magic pork. How do we get on that? Edward's aged meat. Ah. The two standouts, right, to me, things that I had not tasted before, their ground meat mix. Beef crack. Stupid. It's dumb. You got to buy it. It's just dumb. And the other thing is, uh, okay, I cook a lot of steak. I cook a lot of high-end steak. I cook a lot of high-end steak. Well, good for you. Nanny, nanny, <laughs> McPoo-poo. I mean, like, more than I should. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? And I try to do a good job with it. I don't mess around with it. I try to respect the meat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by the way, interesting. I've said this on the air before. The one time I prefer uh, strip in Wagyu, I actually prefer hmm. strip. I think I've only had Wagyu strip, so I can't compare to the ribeye. I've had, yeah. 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 Only time. I don't okay. know why. Whatever. Could just be that. I've only had it a couple of times yeah. while you should, but I was like, oh, it's side by side. Yeah. It's very hard to judge anything if it's not side by side people. You know what I mean? Could be the company you're with. You could be eating with someone you hate. All of a sudden, everything tastes bad. You could be on your honeymoon and it could be the best food. The first time I went to Italy was when I was on my honeymoon, 1995. I was like, I was uh, 24, right? And I was like, everything was like the best food I've ever had because I was on my honeymoon. Is it because the food was great? No, I mean, I didn't have that much money. I was probably buying garbage. It was probably trash can food. I loved it. You know what I mean? One thing was terrible. Uh, I was driving. uh, So, like, you know, my wife and I are very different. And so, like, she was like, half the honeymoon is going to be planned. Like, we know where we're going to stay. And and I was like, okay. And then the other half, we're just going to drive to towns in Italy. And we're going to find, like, a hotel, like a pension that we can stay in. And that's it. And it's going to be completely unscripted. So it was like half and half. Mm -hmm. It worked out great, except for I pulled over on the side of the street somewhere in like, you know, like on the border of like upper Lazio and bought wine from this lady. So I was like, you could buy anything. It's going to be great. I bought this wine from this lady. It was the worst fluid I'd had up to that point in my life. So you can't, you can't just get anything in Italy. No, no, no. Anyway, uh, the Australian, which I've never had, Wagyu, from Edwards, Age Meats, Dax said, I'm not going to say it, Dax said, this is the best steak you've ever made, Dad. And I did my standard. I know that people don't like to do this on Wagyu. I did my standard, which is 55 for 45, right? Got that? 55C, 45 minute, drop to 52, ride, and then right before... You know, like 45 minutes before I'm going to do my sear off, drop to 50. Sear. Delicious. Delicious. Okay. Uh, what else we got to talk about before we, uh, before we get to Thanksgiving? Anything? Anything? I think that's it. Anything? We hear anything, uh, we hear anything about that stuff you want to talk about, Quinn? The Black Friday stuff? Uh, no, no. <laughs> mm, all right, no word. Oh, who's, uh, who's next week's guest? I don't know. Who's next week's guest? It's on the document. Garrett Richards. Oh, everybody's favorite tropical drink master. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is he announcing his book? Hopefully. <laughs> well, uh, if, if, if not. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. But it's going to be great. If you haven't been to Sunken Harbor Club of, above Gage and Tolner in Brooklyn, you should hurry on over because it's fantastic. It is definitely one of my favorite yeah. bars. And as someone who, okay, first of all, I don't typically like tropical drinks. And by that, I mean things that are served on crushed ice that start too sweet and then eventually get too watered down. It's not my style usually. Right? Yeah. 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 And I'm not saying that. I'm just, that's not yeah, my that's your personal I, preference. That's not what I order. Yeah. I respect it. That's not what I typically order. I love this bar. You were chugging, literally chugging cocktails. They were good. Yeah. 
they were good. good. Yeah, and the ambiance is super cool. And it's very, yeah, it's yeah, very, place. very Garrett, like some like nautical, nautical. I love a nautical theme. Yeah, okay. tiki nautical. Yeah, Great. Yeah, it's not tiki anymore. It's true. Yes. It's tropical. True. Yeah. But it is nautical. Yes. And you know, I love, I love knots and rope. Yeah. Slanted glasses yeah, and yeah. feel like you're inside of the ship, mermaids yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just the whole, great. The whole nine. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so, all right, so he'll be on. That's good. All right. What do you, how do you how do you think? Do you think this is toop or toupe? Is there no accent goo? What do you think? Toop. Toop. I guess. Toop. All right. I want to make Dave's stuffing recipe after hearing about it on the Recipe Club podcast. I hope this doesn't offend because I'm asking you about modification to your family's sacred recipe. Uh, if you had to sub out the butter, what would you use? Well, I'm glad that you're not saying I don't like mandarin oranges because then I, I was reading some of the comments. So Dax, so Dax, you know, my son Dax, he was like, I want to come on the show once and just like read people's comments and go to town on them. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know, dude. It's like, cause if you don't like the mandarin oranges, like, and you haven't tried it, then, you know. I don't know what to say to you. How do you know you don't freaking like it? The odds are you haven't had a canned mandarin orange ever. You just don't like the concept of it. You know what I mean? We're not talking about mandarin oranges now. Because that's what I get the most pushback on. So I'm glad this is pushback on butter, right? Uh, So John was saying more sausage grease or more rendered pork fat uh, might be good. Uh, I think a mixture uh, of like coconut and olive oil. Uh, I, I I wish I had written it down. I, I apologize. I didn't actually fully think about this. I have at home, I have a uh, a fake butter that uh, ratio that I use to make biscuits with like very with uh, you know Captain Greasy Nick Coleman with his very nice olive oil and then coconut where uh, coconut you know oil. It doesn't act exactly like butter because uh, coconut is a lot harder at high temperatures, but what that at low temperatures. But what that means is uh, you can add um, um, proportionally more olive oil. But I don't have the exact specs, right? But you, so what you do is is you you mix them, you melt you melt the coconut, and you mix in the olive oil, and then you let it reharden as fake butter. But I don't have the percentages. I think it's something like thirty percent olive oil is is decent. Where's the place to start with that? Like nice, delicious olive oil or pork fat or uh, margarine. Uh, look, if you have to have margarine, then yeah. have margarine. You're going to eat it hot anyway, right? Odds are. So uh, I'm just worried that, you know, if you use like straight oil, that it's going to be oily. Although I'm probably wrong. You're going to eat it hot. I mean, a good olive oil might be fine. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Or pork. Pork fat. Or, I mean, does someone make a good margarine now? I don't know. I haven't tried around margarines. So I have nothing against margarine. I wonder what would happen. And I'm not saying to do this. But, uh, so my, <clears throat> my kids, my kids, uh, for some reason over the pa- past year, they've gone popcorn loony. They've gone like popcorn nuts, Right. So they're constantly popping popcorn, eating bowl after bowl of popcorn. And so like I like have to regularly buy the I buy the the movie theater bright yellow coconut oil freaking diacetyl like movie grease. You know what I'm talking about? And Flavacol, which is the diacetyl like salt. It's the very fine butter flavored popcorn salt. Maybe use that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really taste like butter, but it does taste delicious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't inhale that. You don't want to get uh you don't want to get butter lung. You know what I mean? Popcorn lung? You heard about this? No. Yeah, it's for people who do it on the vaping. Oh no, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, the popcorn lung cob it's definitely contributed to vaping as well. Oh man, because it used to be like they discovered that diacetyl is really bad for you. Really bad for you hmm. in an industrial environment if you don't have respirators. I didn't know people were vaping diacetyl. Well, I mean, I think it, that's that's the effect that um, that happens to your lungs is happening to the same people who are vaping. Uh-huh. Um, but but I do got to say, um, uh, we 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 had Jose Andreas in a couple weeks ago, and he was uh, talking about um, in Spain making these 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 pastries and these these desserts <coughs> using butter, but using pork fat. Yeah. Phenomenal. Well, lard is like the best. 
Yeah. But, Pastry but, no, stuff, but it's mm, not flavor. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, yeah. I guess lard, of course. No, but like, no, yeah, but like most lard that we buy here is bad. I'm sure yeah, he has yes. some fancy. The croissants were, I, I could not believe He brought it. one? He brought a whole spread of them. We made a mess. All right, so, damn. I want to try a pork, pork, pork song. Well, yeah. next time I go over to, uh, whatever, what's this place called over there? The Spanish, um. Mercado Little Spain? Yes, he's mm. got them there. Pork croissant, pork croissant, and, and their croissants have like a creme inside. It's yeah. mm. Mm. all right, John. Now you have to say it with the. With, you have to go full French on the croissant. Say it. Croissant. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So did I answer that uh, sufficiently? You think? Yeah. All right. Gobble gobble. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you guys know? And if you don't know, it's fine. But they're they're re-releasing planes, trains, and automobiles with. A uh, with like an hour of deleted scenes, which I'm pretty sure there's a reason they were deleted. So like, I'm not saying I, but I still want to see the deleted scenes. But the real reason to to do it is if you if you know the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's a a guy, uh, his name is Dylan Baker's the actor, and he plays the character of Owen, who shows up in the pickup truck and is like, people train run out of Stubville, and he's like like hawking loogies all around. Like anyway. They have his original audition tape uh, as part of the release on this. So I cannot wait because that is our Thanksgiving movie. Like that's every Thanksgiving we watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And so, you know, it's classic John Candy, classic Steve Martin, and, you know, Dylan Baker as Owen. So I'll give you a little bit. So for those of you that have seen the movie, what hap- I haven't seen the movie. Like, uh, John Candy and Steve Martin are, like, opposites who get thrown together, and they're trying to get home for Thanksgiving, right? And they, they, there's a lot of mayhem happens. So they have to get on this truck to try to get to a train. And John Hughes, John Hughes right? He's the uh, d- director, uh, right? Anyway, so, like... He wasn't getting the reaction out of Steve Martin and John Candy from this insane character that uh, Owen. And so he literally gave him the direction without saying, he's like, I want you to actually spit chewing tobacco phlegm all over your hand and then shake Steve Martin's hand without him knowing he did it. So, like, if you watch the movie, (laughs) Steve Martin is so intensely grossed out by the interaction. And it was 100 percent real. 100 percent real. Can't take a train out of Wichita unless you're a hog or a cattle. People train run out of Stubville. <laughs> it's Stubville. Stubville's not even a real place. Anyway. Uh, how the heck did we talk about that? I don't know. Tangent Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. The other movie I want to see that's coming out is the uh, Opportunity Rover, Good, Good Night Oppie or whatever it's called. You seen this? Nope. Oh, my God. Apparently, it's like real-life Wally. Everyone's Everyone's going nuts for it. Do you like stories that happen on Mars? Well, I love Wally. Yeah, sure. Right? And watch oh, this. Wally was the best. But this is like real. Like like the actual NASA scientists. And like it's kind of like the, the anthropomorphic. It's like kind of the robots become, the rover robots become real characters through the fact of all of the human stuff that keeps them kind of operational. And in, in uh, I guess it was 2017 or 2018 when the when this thing finally shut down, like a decade or decade and a half after it was supposed to, it was only supposed to go live for like three months. Like its last communication was batteries running low and it's getting dark. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Nah, well, no, I mean it, it's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, no cliff, Davy. It fell off the cliff, all right. It's dead. Uh, all right. Max Poland writes in, I want to break out some pie marches on. Uh, who is it that wrote in and called it the Pieble? It was such a good idea. Don't remember. The Pieble. <laughs> the Pieble. Uh, I want to break out some pie marches on recipes for Thanksgiving. My niece can't have eggs. Any good eggless pie filling recipes, or should I just use a substitute? Yeah. Oh, you mean you want to make Ah, you're saying you want to make pecan and or pumpkin pie without eggs. Because apple pies. Yeah, delicious. Delicious. Don't eat an egg for an apple pie, right? Especially because he doesn't actually like egg washes, although he, he does have eggs in some of his washes, but he doesn't actually like it. He, milk wash, we're, we're fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, butter. He actually, butter buttermilk. Not buttermilk. Butter and milk. Yes. 
Uh, and like, like he has a lot of good washers that don't have eggs. Uh, a lot of his chiffons don't have. Uh, in fact, the vast majority of his chiffons don't have egg. Right, John? I haven't quite well, dealt with chiffon based on whipped egg whites. No. Oh wait, egg whites. You're correct. Stupid me. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking because it was not a custard. It's all egg. It's all egg white. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So not apple. What else? Well, most fruit pies. Yeah, yeah, but what about something whipped? How would you do? How would you do a whipped pie? Okay, so you can. Okay, I don't have a recipe straight out of hand, right? But you could do. Uh, you could whip anything, like a Versa Whip. You could make like a Versa Whip mix, mm. right? Or, or, or. I mean, no one uses methyl F fifty anymore, except for me, whatever. But you could make like a. You could you could whip something up like that, like make a a, a whip thing, or even. Like whipped cream, and then stabilize it with like uh, with gelat with a gelatin uh, hot mix, or with a starch hot mix, or with a so uh, most modern chiffon recipes are stabilized with gelatin. Uh, pie marches on chiffons are stabilized with uh, cornstarch, boiled cornstarch. So he does egg whites where you you then cook the fruit out, add the cornstarch, beat it in hot, and the heat. Pasteurizes the egg whites and then sets it solid when the starch gels as it cools. But you could do the same thing, I'm sure, as long as you had more protein structure in it with uh, with a different foam, right? I mean, make, it stands to reason. I've done agar. I've done agar instead of cornstarch for semifredos. I like a semifredo. Yeah, semifredos are good. Can't you serve Jello. He wants. He wants a pie. He wants pumpkin flavored Jello pie. No, yeah, he wants a pie. Now, if you were going to sub out, I mean, uh, I mean, there are a lot of eggless custards, but I, I, my brain turned off because I forgot that the the whole base. I'm thinking about the part you're cooking, not the egg whites that you're folding the stuff into. So I, you know, uh, yeah, and the egg whites are the most part that most people are allergic to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, egg whites are amazing. They, also, they don't taste very good, though. Can I tell you guys a secret that I think I've discovered, but I, I don't know enough to say it for sure yet? So I pasteurized a bunch of eggs at 57 Celsius for an hour so that I could use them in the stuffing that I was making for Recipe Club because normally you make the stuffing with raw eggs and then you cook it right away, right? But I knew I was going to like have it in my fridge overnight because I was meat gluing the turkey around it. Okay, mm-hmm. that turkey skin. And so I wanted to make sure that it was biologically fine, basically a salad, before I, you know, put stuff that I knew was unclean around it because I knew it was going to take a long time to cook through to the middle and I didn't want it to be unsafe, right? Okay, so I pasteurized the eggs. So then I didn't use all the pasteurized eggs. By the way, when you pasteurize your eggs, take a Sharpie and just write P on top so you know which ones are pasteurized and which ones aren't. It's good practice. Uh, so like I had these extra pasteurized eggs, like four of them, right? And when you're boiling an egg, when you're hard boiling, right, you want to have the egg go into the hottest water possible. If you put eggs in from cold and bring them up, they're almost impossible to peel, but the shape is better. Okay? So I always err on the side of peelability, and I put them into hot water. So I had these, and I was like, you know, because we go through a huge amount of hard-boiled eggs in my house. So I was like, but ridiculous. And so, like, uh, absurd. And so uh, I had these ones left over, and I was like, I'm going to have to pasteurize a bunch more eggs because my mom wants me to bring the stuffing this year because, oh, now I'm fancy. I've been on the recipe club. Now you make the stuffing. I'm not going to make it anymore. I'm like, Mom, please, come on. So I'm going to pasteurize the eggs so that it's safe on the travel from here up to you know my sister's house. So I, I was like, well, I'll hard, I'll hard boil these ones that are already pasteurized. Okay. And I was like, they're probably not going to peel. Because I had pasteurized them at a low temperature, and in order to get good peelability, usually you go high. Well, it turns out that pasteurizing the egg doesn't make it stick to the shell, but it does make the shape good. And so I only ran a test on four. I'm going to do a test on a couple of dozen. But all of the egg yolks were perfectly centered in the ones that I had pasteurized. They were all relatively full in the shell. They didn't have like that weird lopsided thing you get with an egg that's been put into hot water instead of, like, brought up from cold, mm-hmm. and they all peeled easily, all four. 
And I was like, oh, my God, have we cracked have, – have I cracked the code on when you're making deviled eggs, having the shape of the egg be good and having the yolk be centered? Is it just that you need to run it through a pasteurization uh, cycle, let it cool down, and then boil them? More tests to come. But if you guys want to run the test, just if you post it and don't say that you got the idea from me, I'll find you. I'll find you. You know what I mean? I don't. I probably won't find you. No, he won't. All right. Uh, Patrick Chicone. <laughs> Gobble. Patrick Chicone writes in, what uh, oven and internal temperatures do you uh, recommend for the turkey drape? Turkey drape. Uh, over hot stuffing method. I assume stuffing goes in first uh, to an oven at set temp, then bird place on top at some point once the stuffing is at a certain temperature. I know where I like my turkey. 150 in the breast. What's 150 in Celsius? Uh, and 165 in the dark meat. Yeah. Uh, but looking for guidance on the uh, recipe. 65 and a half. What is it? 65 and a half. Okay. All right. Also have uh, two pregnant women at the dinner. Assume this method should be safe, unlike traditional stuffing inside bird. Correct and correct. Here's what I would do. I'm assuming you have a circulator or some sort of similar ANOVA thing. I typically... Put the stuffing and I I circulate it to get it hot as quickly as possible. But yeah, you could just uh, wrap it in aluminum foil in the shape of the of the. Bir- so what you do is when you bone your bird, right, or when you when you rip out most of the b- bones in the bird, like just take a look at the rib cage and the whole setup of it and try to make the stuffing into that shape, right. And then, yeah, you, you could I mean like if you had an ANOVA, you could keep it moist while you're doing it and then just put it in that shape on the pan you're going to roast in and then get it all the way up to temp, like all the way up to like hot, like 190, 200, you know what I mean? Like hot, you know what I mean? Like done. Then just pull it out, drape the bird over it, you know, have the have the bird come to temp a little bit, drape the bird over it and... It will cook from both sides. The, the stuffing doesn't have that much energy, but it will make it cook faster, and it is a whole heck of a lot safer. I, if when I used to stuff before I cut open, I would uh, I would circulate the stuffing. I would make the stuffing into the shape in like a two gallon Ziploc, and then circulate it. But you know, I think an oven might work just as well, frankly, because it sucks. Like handling a bunch of hot stuffing and like with like you know gloves, it kind of blows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but get it hot. Uh, Sargon writes in, uh, are you going to add the recipe procedure for taking apart and re-gluing the turkey together? It's on the website somewhere. You mean the recipe for what I did with the stuffing, or do you mean like my standard bionic turkey recipe? Yeah, with the stuffing. Uh, with the stuffing. I mean, here's what you, here's what you do. I'll, I'll tell you what you do. Uh, you, you take the bird, make sure it's completely, completely thawed. Put it uh, breast down, make a cut all the way down the back, then start peeling the skin off uh, around the, the back and um, and just be careful around uh, the armpits where the wings are. That's where it's going to tear. If you can cut the joint without cutting the skin, then leave the wings on because it's easier than like having to re-glue them uh, back on later. And then that's really the only hard part. It makes sure that the bird's not frozen and, 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 and you know, right around the, uh, the underarm pits. The same thing with a chicken. I would practice on a chicken first. You know what I mean? Uh, chicken's really easy to get the skin off of. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's kind of crazy. I, uh, my old butcher, he had a guy. He's dead now. Not my butcher, as far as I know. Uh, Ray. And Ray used to use his uh, apron to rip chicken skins off. So you would walk into... Oh, you've told me this. Yeah, yeah. You'd walk into the into the butcher shop and Ray would be there and he would grab the meat with one hand and then just grab the skin with his apron and go shaboing and just rip the skin off. He, he was so fast ripping chicken skins off of chickens. I just don't know. How, I don't even know how he is crazy. Anyway, uh, and then uh, stuffing, make sure it's pasteurized, put it in the shape of a bird. And then the problem is, is if you want to meat glue it, you don't want to vacuum it. So what I what I would do is just get a lot of plastic wrap, use extra meat glue where the seams are together, and then let it just sit in the fridge for four hours. You should get enough of a bond to be able to roast it. All right. That makes sense? Yeah. That enough of a recipe? All right. Uh, Brandon Burr writes in, what is your standard gravy protocol? I've experimented a lot over the years, but it keeps coming back to a basic roux plus stock combination and adjust the consistency, consistency at the end with Wondra. 
if necessary. Maybe amount with extra butter or turkey fat. It's basically gravy the way my grandma used to make it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But if there's room to improve on tradition, I'd love to hear about it. All right. Well, okay. Here's what I do. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't do. I don't do ruse anymore. Why not? I'm pain in my butt. I don't do it. Okay. I, I, I ran. Here, here's here's a test I ran. Ready for it? You know how everyone says, uh, oh, blah, 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 with Rue? You know how they say that? It's like blah, blah, yakety, schmackety. You know how they, people do that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, here, here, I ran a test where I just boiled water and flour together. And I was looking for that telltale, it's going to taste like flour. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is true that after 30 minutes, maybe it was slightly more neutral, but it wasn't this horrible effect that everyone says you're going to get. So if you read cookbooks, like I read cookbooks, then you're going to hear something like this. You you either have to only cook uh, a roux with a sauce or with a burmani. You know, burmani is when you take butter and flour and knead them together into balls. You can only cook it for like either two minutes or it needs to cook 30 minutes. Anything in between and you're going you're gonna to ruin everything. How many times have you read that advice? Millions, right? Yeah. Millions. Decent amount of times. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. Just from my experiments cooking water okay. and flour. But what I do is uh, my standard protocol now is, first of all, have a lot of good stock. Don't try to make gravy just from drippings. Yeah, no. Have a lot of good stock. Yeah. Right? This is a good turkey reason to stock. Bur- yeah. This is a good reason to bone your bird. Yeah. Yes. And please don't base your turkey gravy on chicken broth. I mean, not the same. You can reinforce. I'm, I'm look, you can take a good. Let's say you have good chicken stock. You can reinforce that with bones with, from turkey. That's not going to hurt anything. But you need to have turkey in there anyway. My protocol, and this is going to sound crazy, is and again, like you know, I probably shouldn't be saying this because I haven't run all the tests yet. But what I do at home is I literally add the flour to cold liquid. Like so, you know how you do cornstarch slurries? Yeah. You can do it with flour. You just need to have a lot more. So instead mm-hmm. of it being like a one-to-one, you need like 2.5 to one or three mm-hmm. to one. So like what I'll do is is I'll I'll uh, take my stock, which is a gelée because, of course, my stock is, is so strong because I do, I do, you know, pressure cook stock and I don't add too much water. A 14-pound turkey, if you have all the bones from a 14-pound to 15-pound turkey, you should only get about a liter of gravy out of that, okay? If you're getting more than that, your, your stock is, is too weak, all right? I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, so I just melt out the stock, but keep it cold so it's not going to, you know, you know, below 40, mm-hmm. right? And then I just blend the flour into the stock and then just heat it while I'm stirring. No lumps. It just... Because the flour is not going to lump when it's cold. Mm-hmm. That's how slurries work. And then as keep stirring. As soon as it comes up to temperature, boop, it's thick. And then it's over. You know what I mean? Add your sherry, whatever. Are you, what, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you like in your gravy? I like a little sherry in my gravy. I like a little sherry vinegar. Mm, a little acidity. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have a little acidity. I think it's also nice like at the, to put it in, a, you know, at the beginning, like right after the... I put the roux and everything and then kind of like cook it down a little bit and then put a little bit of fresh in at the end. It's, I don't know, like yeah. kind of layers the flavor. Yeah, I like that's it a like, lot. like the way you do in like a turtle soup or something. Yeah. 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 Never made turtle soup, but yeah, sure. But I, I developed this technique when I was making mushroom gravy because I want to saute the mushrooms and then I want to make like the mushroom stock and then I want to thicken it, but I don't want to blend it and I don't want to do a burmanee. So I was like, what if I just add the flour and it works great. Nice. Yeah. So try it. Let me know what you think. Um, I will also, what was it? There's another gravy thing. Another gravy, classic gravy mistakes. Mm. Now, what's a classic gravy mistake? Not making enough? Mm. Salt, acid. I think it needs, you know, if you can't cook with, you know, booze, I'm sorry, but like I like that fl- flavor of a little bit yeah. in there. It really rich, richens it up. Um, I like the pressure cooking. The stock. I like making the fresh stock and having the fresh gravy. Yeah. I really think that's like the... the, the yeah, way. it really starts with the stock. Yeah. Stock, yeah. Gravy yeah. is all about a good stock. Yeah. Any gravy. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I'm also team 
make ahead roux. I have just roux in my freezer. Oh yeah, and then here's what I here's what I don't like because like all the instructions like here's what I don't like. I don't like having to make my roux and then have a separate pot with boiling stock to add to the roux to get it to thicken so that it doesn't clump because you added a bunch of cold stuff to the roux and then it turns into and then it. I, I don't know. I, just, I find it unpleasant. I find the whole. Yeah, I've got. Yeah. I really like solid block the roux, and then I tell people to add it with like a cheese grater. No, I'll say this: I also don't do brown roux. So if you really want that brown flavor from the roux, I mean, I don't need that because my stock is already brown yeah. McBrown. So like, I don't need. Yeah. I, the flavors are already like so there. I really just want it to get thick. You know what I mean? Uh, and I want it to be opaque, for sure. Which is why I use flour. And not cornstarch or something else. Anyway. Cheese grate, huh? You know what I do? I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a cheese grate biscuit man. Huh? Freeze the butter. Yeah, yeah. Box grate it. I know it sounds fussy. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. I always I keep uh, a pound of butter in my freezer at all times. And what I'll do is yeah. is I'll box grate, and it's hard to get the last little bit box grated. So that's why I have a whole pound. I'll just grate a little bit off of another stick and then put it back. And then the, the nubbin that's left that you can't grate, you use it as butter. Huh? Wow. Huh? Wow. Huh? And so, uh, you know, and uh, it really does make a better biscuit. The, the box grating, the frozen butter, and then just like stirring it into the flour really does make a better biscuit. I have to say. And people, in the course of writing this book... I have made a lot, a lot of biscuits. And, you know, my family doesn't necessarily like what I like, but they all like that. They're all like, don't, anytime I try to do something else, they're like, don't do this something else, Dad. Just make the biscuits the way that they were the time that they were the best. Yeah, don't mess with it. Yeah, I hate it when my dad did that kind of stuff. Don't mess with the family loved recipe. Don't try adding something new to it. Yeah, just do what is loved. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what? Do we have uh, time for one more question? We have seven minutes and thirty-eight seconds, but I still I haven't finished all the questions we have. Yeah. Go go into your question, Queen. What do you got? Oh, okay, okay. No, no, you you do yours first. It's off. Okay, okay. all right. Monty, I thought that was the last one. All right, Monty writes in. Uh, yeah, this but this is not Thanksgiving related. These two aren't Thanksgiving. So oh, okay, give, all right. So give me. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Joshua K asks, Dave, with your poker house roll recipe. How would you adjust the hydration when using the high extraction flour, coincidentally using turkey red wheat? No, I like turkey red. Turkey red's a good wheat. Uh, But who wrote that in? Joshua K. Oh, yeah. Hey, Josh. Hunter sent us some delicious... some delicious uh, birds that he and his buddy had uh, hunted and some other stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, turkey, turkey red's a good wheat. Uh, I, I, you don't have to make a, a change actually. Um, so that the if you're if you're putting it through a sixty mesh, uh, uh, if you're putting it through a sixty mesh uh, like sifter, like a bolter, right? And you're doing the bolted eighty five uh, percent extraction. I found that uh, that Parker House roll recipe works as written. And in fact, I was kind of shocked. Because I went back and I had been making it with that flour for, you know, a couple of years. And I went back and looked at the original recipe and realized that, uh, well, I, I forget what I, uh, now, now I say this, I, I forget what I wrote. I think I added like maybe 15 mils more into the 85, in, into the high extraction flour. I didn't add like a ridiculous amount more, not as much more as you would think. And it's a little bit stiffer, but but it's fine. So like, I don't know what. Chang put on the recipe club what he printed, uh, but it's like the difference, like like one's like four seventy eight and one's like four eighty three. So it's like just like a little bit more, but not like a boat ton more. Is that that a decent answer? Otherwise, same. Yeah. yeah. To me, the key I like having that potato flour in there. Uh, and someone was like, "Can you use potato starch?" Like, yeah, you can use potato starch, but like potato starch is not going to give you as much uh, cold holding, uh, as much cold viscosity as uh, potato flour will, right? 
And so like I like the potato flour better, but yeah, potato starch will work there. And what the potato starch is going to do is just give it that like super moist, you know, that super moist. It's not that much, but it just like that super moistness. I also went to Dax literally because my mom again said, well, well, now that you're Mr. Fancy, with, with the, you got to bring the rolls. I was like, all right. So I said to Dax, I was like, Dax, so like on any given day, would you rather have Parker House rolls or would you rather have biscuits and he was like parker house rolls a thousand percent i was like always he's like a thousand percent parker house rolls i was like okay what about and i didn't realize that because to me biscuits are freaking delicious well, yeah would you always rather have a parker house roll than a, than a biscuit not always i don't know parker house rolls are really really good mm. i don't like biscuits really i grew up down south and i died never fancied biscuits at all I, um, yeah, I'm just not into it. Huh? Okay. Nope. You know who does? Uh, is it? I'll take a Parker they're House. They're not roll. as they're not as dependable. What are? Yeah, they're they? not as dependable. Parker House roll. I know what I'm getting. Yeah. Uh, huh. Huh. Not as dependable. Interesting. There's also with biscuits. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you mean. What, what, what I'm hearing, and you tell me what you mean, but what I hear about not dependable is you don't know exactly what the person is intending to make. Let's assume that the person who's making the biscuit makes the biscuit the way they want to make it. Let's just assume that they are competent. There are still a bunch of different mm-hmm. things that qualify as a biscuit. You know what I mean? Like all the way right. from like... That's what I mean. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Like there's the, I like a more flaky. I like a yeah. more fluffy. I like a poop and a beep and a poop and a pop. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, it's kind of like... Yep, yep. Yeah, whereas like a Parker House roll, you're not allowed to do that much messing with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Huh. That's an interesting, interesting take. So then... I was like, well, what about on Thanksgiving? He's like, a million percent Parker House. <laughs> and then I went to, to, to my wife. I was like, hey, Jen. I was like, so, you know, I was like, don't say anything, Dax. And I was like, you know, biscuits or Parker House rolls. She goes, oh, Parker House rolls. Same words, thousand percent. I didn't even ask her about it. Yeah. Ask her about it. Parker House rolls go fast when you make them. Yeah, they do. Because they're delicious. Yeah. And yeah. more butter and a little salt. So and, much yeah, butter. Great. Anyway, uh, I don't know how I got on that. Um, all right, Quinn, uh, I'm going to answer these two Instagram questions, but uh, since we only have a couple of minutes, can you troll the non-Instagram questions and see if any of them are Thanksgiving related? And I'll, I'll, I'll get to them because I promise to. Uh, Monty writes in, I remember you mentioning using a plastic lid as a filter for an infrared thermometer to extend its range, but I'm having no luck finding any more information about that online. Do you have any references or details on how to do the math? All right, Monty, short answer, no. The, the, the FLIR Corporation makes all of their money by not giving you the information you want without you paying for it, okay? So the problem is this. If all you want to know is you know, temperature difference, then it's, I'll put it to you this way. What you're doing when you put the the, the polyethylene lid, LDPE lid, in front of the uh, lens is you're just cutting the amount of radiation that makes it to the lens, right? But the problem is, is that just by doing that doesn't give you the answer you want for the actual temperature. It maintains differences, but... The radiance function, uh, radiance to temperature, is not linear. So you can't, it, it, and it's very hard to reapply that function with all the corrections to get the correct answer. It's very hard. Uh, so, you know, and they won't let you do it. I've asked them whether, you know, they can give me the stuff because you can get the raw data out, but they won't give you their Planck functions or any of those other things to, to let you figure it out. And so it's not something that I could easily do. Someone who does this for a living could do it. Uh, was there any more Thanksgiving stuff, Quinn? No, no more Thanksgiving questions. All right, listen, I have a call out to all of our uh, Cooking Issues crew. KG wants to know if there's any culturally historic Alabama cookies. We have a, we have a desire for someone for culturally important Alabama cookies. I did some preliminary research, and apparently some people make some delicious chocolate chip cookies. Don't care about I don't. It's not that I don't care about that, but... You know, everyone makes a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. What I'm saying is they weren't invented. The Toll House wasn't from freaking Alabama. You know what I mean? So if any of you guys have an Alabama cookie hookup, I looked, by the way, in my old uh, Cooking 50 States book from the 40s, where there's a lot of interesting recipes. I looked at the Alabama section, nothing on cookies. So I got nothing for you, KG, but I'm hoping that someone in the Cooking Issues community 
omnivore books around San Francisco. Usually has a pretty good collection of old uh, church cookbooks, and that would probably be a pretty good place to start looking for that kind of stuff. Yeah, hit them up on Instagram. Community recipe books, yeah. Yeah, hit them up on Instagram. Alrighty, uh, so we'll try to get to the rest back when we're back next week with Garrett. We have some cocktail questions. That's great. Uh, Devin, I'll say this. Oh, on the way out, Devin. Can I do this real quick, Joe, for Thanksgiving so I can hook Devin up? All right, Devin. Uh, do you know how far a pan can be from an induction cooking mechanism to work? Like how far the field expands around the plate? It's not just a magnet. It's how it searches for the pan. Uh, I've tested on my polyscience. 10 millimeters works, but it doesn't put as much power out. Uh, and 20 millimeters works for like a tiny amount of time, but not for too long. So that's your answer. Happy Thanksgiving. Cooking Issues. Cooking Issues.